Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. So today I'm going to present to you an interview with my friend Andrew Levine, otherwise known as Andraki, about the process leading up to writing his book, which is tentatively titled The Evolution of Everything, The Philosophy of Crowdism, or alternatively, Everything is Information. So he goes through and, and talks about uh, his struggle with depression, how he overcame it, using logic. Uh, he references a previous conversation that, that we had, and you can uh, check the link to that in the show notes. Um, but to give you some context, he's talking about uh, the, the conversation that we had about mental illness and how I said that, that logic and reason uh, helped me deal with mental illness. Uh, so he's talking about his, his idea that enlightenment means freedom from genes and memes and how that led him to develop other ideas based on that and then how that eventually led to him uh, starting to write this book. So you can jump on to Steemit, S-T-E-E-M-I-T dot com. Uh, you can check out us there, Paradise Dash Paradox. You can check out me personally uh, at Churdzu and you can also check out Andraki at Andraki. Um, so you can check out those those uh, links in the show notes. This is episode 145 of The Paradise Paradox. So for the show notes, www.theparadiseparadox.com slash 145, 145. Thanks so much. Keep it cool. Let's get into it. So I wanted to talk to you about about your book that you're working on, um, but it's it, I think you're being a little secretive about it. I don't know what it's about yet, other than it's that it's about philosophy. So what's the what's the premise? Well, interestingly, there is kind of a tie-in with our previous discussion with um, about how when I was experiencing uh, these depressive experiences, which now when I look back at them, I look back at them much like the way you look at your experience, which is I don't think I had a disease called depression. I think that my, that my mind was conflicting with what is socially acceptable uh, for a mind. Like I was having difficulty integrating with society and because I was having beliefs and ideas that were different from everybody else's and that created discomfort and sadness in me that was difficult to resolve because nobody was there to guide me through the experience. And I do believe that there is a place for therapists, for whether they're psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists, whatever, I do think there's a place because if somebody had been there to be like, this is normal, not just this is normal because they say that, but if they were to explain to me basically, hey, society is a construct. It's a set of 
delusions that we all kind of agree on so that we can function, so that we can go to the store and make sure that there's shit there. You know, we, we share these beliefs, not necessarily because they're true, but because they enable us to function, to form stable societies. Just because you don't see them as true doesn't mean you're broken. They feel that they have to make that kind of argument, I guess because they're falling, you know, that, that's the irony, is that they're falling for the delusion. In a very real sense, they're the insane ones because they're committing so hard to delusions that they're then telling people who are having perfectly reasonable experiences that they're delusional. I had that experience and then I finally hit that breaking point where I was like, I'm gonna solve this for myself. And that set me along the, the path where I eventually decided, you know, this has been such a beneficial way of thinking that I wanna write a book called The Healing Power of Reason. So that, and, and, and when I was reading your article, that immediately came to mind. And when you got to that part on logic, because um, that was what I'd come to believe. And once that idea had infected my mind, I started seeing subst um, substantiation of it everywhere. Uh, and, and when I originally formed that idea, I had never heard of cognitive behavioral therapy. And I don't think cognitive behavioral therapy was really much of a thing at that time. It might have been on the fringes, but I eventually did learn about cognitive behavioral therapy. And from everything I understand is it's simply explaining to people logic and rationality within the context of their personal life. It's giving them, actually, it's exactly what you talked about. It's, it's saying, it's going to people who have, are experiencing detrimental trains of thought and going, if we apply, but apply logic here. Think about this rationally. I know you're having this experience. I know you're seeing these things, but let's think about this logically. And I'm going to help you think about this logically because I understand logic and rationality and that's my job here. Cognitive behavioral therapy, the last time I checked, was like far more effective than many other modes of treatment, including uh, drugs. And in fact, the last time I heard the, the most like scientifically verified mode of treatment was for, for at least certain ailments or situations or conditions is cognitive behavioral therapy plus um, drug therapy. But I, I, I seriously question how important the drug portion is there, uh, especially if you adjust for placebo effect. So, you know, I'm more open to the idea that cognitive behavioral therapy and talk therapy plus a placebo is very effective. And whether that placebo is an actual drug or, or, or a, you know, a sugar pill is, or, anyway. So that led me, to, I started thinking in terms of the healing power of reason and I started working on that book. Um, I guess something in me is driven to write a book, but I kind of think we all have, have that. You know, I think we all have a book in us. That, that led me to kind of an epiphany that I had one day, which was that in light, 
enlightenment means freedom from genes and memes. To elaborate, the point was that if you look at both forms of enlightenment, meaning Western enlightenment and Eastern enlightenment, the message of most of the great thinkers in those areas was um, freeing yourself either from your biology, your biological compulsions, your biological state, or freeing yourself from the ideas that have come to infect your brain, the cultural concepts that exist in your brain. So if you look at Eastern Enlightenment, uh, people like the Buddha would talk about um, freeing yourself from positive and negative emotions. So, uh, you, you know, in, the idea being that in order to cure yourself of anger and sadness and that stuff, you also have to cure yourself from the opposites, from, from the positive emotions. And really what he's talking about there is your physiological, biological state. So just because you feel sluggish and sad, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should or that you really are, you know, you can understand that that's a biological state. And so in, in Eastern philosophy is what they'll tell you to do uh, it, when you're experiencing those is to kind of is is like to sit in it, is to, to be at peace with the uh, experience that you're having. And that what you find if you do that is that you quickly move past it. As opposed to going, I shouldn't be sad, I shouldn't be sad, I shouldn't be angry, I shouldn't be angry. Um, or I need to take something to fix this, this sadness or this anger. If instead you just say, I'm angry right now, my body is upset right now, I feel this way right now. What you often find is that you quickly move past that and that's a way of freeing yourself from your biology. Of course you can't totally disconnect yourself from your biology. Uh, but in that sense, you're freeing it and uh, you're freeing yourself from it because you're not letting it control you. You're controlling it if that even is a sensical, is a, is a sensible statement to make. And the other half of that, the freedom from memes, is that our biology isn't the only thing that causes damage. I mean, that's basically w what we were talking about in our previous discussion is how you can believe all kinds of things, all kinds of ideas can come to inhabit your brain. It doesn't mean that you should give them complete and utter control over yourself just because it's in there, you know? And so the idea was, and, and again, like this was an epiphany in the sense that it wasn't purely rational. I just, the thought came to me one day what is enlightenment? Oh, it's freedom from genes and memes. Um, I just thought that. There's no reason, you know, I'm not going to claim that it was rational. What was interesting was the thoughts and experiences that came after that. The, the evidence that I came across as a consequence of thinking through that prism was remarkably powerful. And what that eventually led me to believe, and this is the subject of, of the book that I'm working on now and I hope to begin publishing in pieces 
through Steemit uh, over the coming weeks, is that there are, in fact, some problems with that premise that enlightenment is freedom from genes and means. And the book I'm working on now, I think, better addresses what I was trying to get at through that little, through that mantra. Like, I still think it was immensely helpful, but there are several fundamental assumptions that are uh, faulty or problematic in that previous um, statement. For example, the centrality, the central position of genes that genes play in your biology and your mind and your and everything, right? It, this is a commonly held belief, and I would argue myth uh, that I think will probably be di very, very di disrupted in the, in the coming years. This idea that we have genes and they make us. And everything starts at the gene, and it's this, and it's this thing from which we, we erupt, as opposed to just being another piece of us. Um, you know, a, a, a smaller piece of a larger whole. I remember um, seven or eight years ago, I was reading uh, Rupert Sheldrake, and he talks about these experiments with fruit flies where he, he applies ether to them, and it causes them to grow extra wings. Uh, and at the time, that was very bizarre. But now, um, just a few years later, ev like everybody, almost everybody, accepts epigenetics, that, that environmental factors can affect the expression of genes. And Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's so much that goes on outside of the gene, which determines y who you are that it's, become, it's becoming less and less rational to give that role to the gene, that it's, that it's this master. I mean, I think genetics is really important. I think, uh, you know, I, I love evolution. I'm an, <laughs> I'm an evolutionist. I, you know, I believe in it. But, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, epigenetics is a great example of how our, our, our beliefs on, on this are, are really changing. Anyway... To, to cease being so mysterious about the book, which is not, which is not intentional, um, the tentative title is The Evolution of Everything, uh, The Philosophy of Crowdism. And, and other, other titles that I'm playing with are Everything is Information or The Evolution of Information. These are uh, other titles to, to give you an idea of kind of the, the, the principles at work here. And, and really the, the central premise would be that uh, everything is information. So that's the central premise. It's a strong premise. Everything, even like, like atoms, even the stars, like our experiences, everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, for those who think that that might sound like an extreme position, there's a great book out right now called uh, Why Information Grows. It's, it's by a guy named Cesare Dalgo. He's out of MIT, so he's not like a kook or, or anything like that. He's either a mathematician or an economist or both. And his book is... is very straightforward. It's very interesting. It's, it's very logical. I, I highly recommend the book. 
And this wasn't the central point of the book, but in it, because of the nature of his subject matter, he defines information. And, um, and he goes into the history of the, the term and, and the whole background and where the, the word came from and what information theory is and the insight that it lends. And he is the one who describes information as, as order, as simply order. Um, from an information theory perspective, information is defined as order. So anytime you show anything that has order, you're looking at information. And of course, our bodies are highly ordered. You know, when we wake up, we're not a puddle of mud. We're still the same body. Uh, we're still the same form, which is only made more fascinating by the fact that none of our cells are the same, right? You know, we've been, our body is constantly breaking down cells and rebirthing cells and replacing old cells with new cells so as to maintain this ordered form. So our bodies are information. Um, cultures are obviously highly ordered. Societies, cities, um, states, countries, you know, these are highly ordered formations of human organisms. So there again, we just have more information. Um, where I go from that is the question of, okay, well, if, so, so, so that's the central premise, but I guess a secondary premise would be all information evolves over time. So we have everything is information and all information evolves. So from there, what we can do is we can go, okay, what is education? Okay, what is education? Okay, well, let's look at the information, right? Um, and look at how it evolved. And so when you look at the question of education, you see uh, institutions, things we call institutions, uh, that evolved over time, right? You know, people built certain things, they evolved, and what we have now is an evolution of, of these systems. Um, point, the point merely being that it gives you a prism through which you can look at anything. Because if everything is information and everything evolves, um, then that can give you insight into the nature of anything, whether it's education, whether it's politics, whether, uh, whether it's technology, you know, although I, I probably would go on to make the point that everything humans do is technology, but um, that's later. So what I, what I want to do with the book and, and what I've started to do with the book, the book isn't complete, but, um, but I have a good beginning, is to just start from the beginning, to start with the Big Bang and to show how the evolution of everything leads very naturally from the Big Bang to uh, how everything leads very naturally from the Big Bang to human consciousness and then hopefully, oh, sorry, consciousness, um, and then hopefully what comes after consciousness or human consciousness. Because if we can understand why the Big Bang naturally leads to humanity, 
then theoretically we might be able to use that to figure out what is going to happen next and to hopefully you know gain something from from that exercise thanks for listening and we've got more great stuff coming up uh an interview with uh, with my buddy luis fernando mises talking about his experiences as a shaman uh, interacting with extraterrestrial beings and also uh, a conversation with my buddy Luke talking about um, picking up chicks, I guess. Um, so this is uh, episode 145. So you can look at the show notes, theparadiseparadox.com slash 145. Uh, so you can get the links there to uh, Andrike's page on Steemit, my page on Steemit, the Paradise Paradox on Steemit. And also interesting things, uh, links to the, the book uh, that, that Andrew mentioned about um, why information grows. And links to previous episodes. So th- thanks so much for listening. So again, head on over to theparadiseparadox.com slash 145. And you can check out the show notes there. Uh, if you're feeling generous or if you're feeling like you've got some Christmas spirit left over, jump on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com and you can give us a tip. We appreciate it so much when you help us out. Much appreciated. Uh, we love it when we see those those uh, emails coming in from PayPal or those uh, Satoshis coming in on uh, blockchain.info. Much appreciated uh, when, you, when you give us a little tip there. Suggest a donation one dollar per episode that you like, but you can give any amount. We don't care as long as you give. <laughs> uh, it will it will be humbly received with many thanks. So, thanks so much. Have a good one. Don't mind, 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 don't mind